Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAI F-Ball podcast powered by AdCraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. Our friends at AdCraft have been with us for many years now. They've run web stores for us multiple times. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping the product, and helping your customers so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com. All right, NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe back for another edition of the NAIF Ball Podcast. We are coming to you tonight, and we're talking to Georgetown head coach Chris Oliver, friend of the friend of the program, uh, you know, just a, a, a longtime friend of ours and, and one of our uh, biggest fans, and we're some of his biggest fans, you know, other than his dad, you know, and his, and, and his family there. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you, Corey? You know, we're pushing 80 in, in Florida here, so I am happy as a <laughs> clam. I'm wearing shorts. I love it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so, Coach, uh, you know, you're entering your second year at Georgetown now. You've gotten your first full season underneath your belt. Georgetown, for those who don't know, is awful close to that uh, border with Ohio, especially Cincinnati. So I gotta, I gotta know if you're gonna get that Cincinnati style chili. How do you take your Cincinnati chili? Uh, I'm going five way. I'm a throw everything on there. I'm, I'm onions, beans, cheese, the whole, the whole deal. Um, and then I always ask for Cincinnati guys when we, when we come to campus, like, you know, in Cincinnati, you got skyline. That's what everybody knows nationally. But then locally you got gold star chili and you got a few other places too. So I always like to pick guys brain and kind of see what they prefer. And, and that tells me a lot about whether they're going to be a good prospect or not. So the way I heard it is the original, like Greek brothers who started making Cincinnati style chili way back in the day. Like every single one of those restaurants, the major ones, whether it be Gold Star, yeah. they all come from the same restaurant and learned it the same way. So it, it really is a matter, a matter of preference there. But for those who, who don't know what Cincinnati style chili is, it's basically chili on top of spaghetti noodles. And for a carb lover like me, that is just, uh, that's an amazing thing right there. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's critical to point out too that I mean that's Cincinnati chili, that's its own type of thing. But if you're serving me regular chili and you put noodles in it, then we, we're going to have a problem. So that two different true. things. That, gotta, that is true. It's very, yeah, that's an important distinction. Yeah, Cincinnati Cincinnati style chili has some w- weird ingredients in it. Uh, yeah. cinnamon. Sometimes some folks put will put like dark chocolate in there. Um, if you haven't heard of it. Look it up. It's it's tasty. So um, it's an acquired taste, but we like it. I don't know. I liked it the first time I had it. Well, but I'm also weird like that. But coach, I, I know Georgetown was a little bit different for you after coming over from from Lindsay, where you uh, got to start your own program, got to do things your own way from the from the jump. And you're, and you're now going to a program here, and you've been in the program here where 
you are standing on the shoulders of giants, uh, NAI legends, and Georgetown is one of those that we call NAI royalty. What was the most unexpected thing about your first year? Well, I think uh, I haven't felt that off balance as a head coach during my career, especially those first couple of months. And, and you know, I started just before Christmas, but really we were so close to Christmas going into that break. Our guys were already on break from classes that we didn't really get rocking and rolling with having recruits on campus, getting to know our current players, all that stuff until, you know, a, a week or so into January. So for me, having been in a place for a dozen seasons prior to that and, and having a, a very uh, specific way of things going, uh, you know, that felt very much off balance. And I, I think that that's probably not unusual in a head coaching change, but I haven't bounced around uh, in my career. That hasn't been what we've done and, and that's not the goal of what we want to do. Uh, so I was going through that for the first time because as we, I think we talked about, Last year, you know, when we started the program at Lindsay, yeah, we started from scratch and I was a first time head coach and doing all that that stuff. But I started on January 5th, 2009, and we kicked off on, on in September of 2010. So I, I had a lot more time to to uh, adjust to that rather than hitting the ground running. Uh, so I think that was the biggest change for me. And I knew it was coming, but until you're in that moment, you don't feel you know, that, uh, the pressures, uh, and, and what that is exactly like. Uh, so I'm, uh, not complaining that we are heading into year two, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, just the, the normalcy and moving forward, uh, both as a program with our players, but also for me as a head coach. Yeah. And, and it was a good year, all things considered. I mean, especially when you're talking about moving an offense from a very traditional, uh, I formation, run the very, very traditionally run heavy. Um, none, none of the fancy running. Uh, you know, just very, uh, you know, think 1980s. Um, and, and you come out and, and you score for, uh, 40 or more points in your first couple of, of football games. Your, your defense is rocking and rolling there, um, not even allowing two touchdowns in any game through September. And then you have to play host to Bethel, and um, Mike Jasper gets the best of you. Yeah, I mean Bethel was a great football team, and and uh, you know, I mean, I just uh, welcome to the Mid South Conference, and uh, whether it's you know Bethel or Georgetown, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's a great conference. Uh, so yeah, Bethel had a great team. Uh, I was very impressed with them. We knew coming in on video, you could see that that you know they were legit. Uh, you know, and even uh, talking with some coaches at the convention recently and, and just, you know, talking about seasons and playoff runs and those things. And I, I talked with a coach who made a long playoff run and, and happened to, to play Bethel during the course of their season. And, you know, they said that hey, Bethel was uh, probably as talented a team as they played all year. And, and they played a lot of good teams. Uh, so yeah, very, very good team. And, and, uh, we knew that was going to be a challenge, but that's the Mid-South Conference. In the back half of your season, there was, uh, the, the phrase that comes to mind is familiarity breeds contempt. I don't know that there's, there's any contempt there, but whether it's, uh, familiarity with your players playing Cumberlands and playing, uh, coach housekeeper, 
who mm-hmm. your your defense is going to be very very familiar with, or that last game of the season traveling up to Columbia and and playing Lindsay and playing folks that you're very familiar with. Talk to me about trying to break tendency and and um, try not to be uh, use your own own familiar patterns with people that are familiar with you. Yeah, that's a fine line, and uh, it's easy to overthink it. You know, when you're going through a weekly game plan or even the off season game plan, when you know that those types of games are, are coming, and and you know, I mean that no matter what logo someone was wearing, like in the Cumberland's game, you know, uh, Coach Housekeeper and and, uh, and our offense, whether it was Lindsay or now Georgetown, you know, we've game planned against each other for a dozen plus times. Uh, so uh, there's certainly unique aspects of that. And, and you know, you want to make sure that you don't send the wrong message to your players. If you go into a game plan, no matter what side of the ball you're on, just generally speaking, if you say, well, we need to change everything we're doing because the opposing team uh, knows this about us, knows that about us, or we have these tendencies, then I think that oftentimes you can lose some confidence with your guys. And at the same time, you have to have wrinkles. You have to have change-ups and those types of things that you want to take advantage of some of your tendencies that your opponent knows. So there's a little bit of that that chess match, that cliche chess match that people talk about uh, in our game. Uh, and I think those matchups magnified that. And I think as we move forward, um, specifically with those two matchups that you talk about, you probably are going to separate a little bit more and have schemes that separate and, and, and diverge on paths. And you, you have your own wrinkles that naturally occur over time. Uh, but certainly year one was an interesting situation in both of those matchups. The only other game I'll, I'll point out is is Thomas Moore. You're you're up. What, what was that? 14, uh, 14 nothing at the break. Um, how how uh, how glad will you be to have Thomas Moore and that little bit of a thorn there that that they can present out of out of the way as they make the move up to D two. Well, I, I mean, we beat them by five touchdowns, so I might want to keep them around. Um, but you know, That's sorry, I, I can see that fair. now that uh, now that they're out of the conference. Um, Thomas Moore, since they came in four years ago or whatever, you know, we, I've been fortunate to to be on the winning side of that um, over those years. But man, they have been well coached. They have good football players, um, and, and you know, they've gotten better. Uh, you know, so. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from them in that uh, decision that they're making. Uh, but uh, you know, certainly it's a local matchup and a, and a good Kentucky school. And, you know, wish, we wish that they were sticking around the Mid-South, but, you know, that's the, the landscape of college athletics. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, uh, you know, this is the NAI. Teams it, it sometimes come and go. Um, and we'll, we'll see. Um, you know what? What keeps happening? Obviously, this week the the big news, the the bombshell of the week um, when we're recording this, because it's going to come out a little bit later, is is the closure of presentation. We and we hate it for those kids, and we hate it for those coaches. And I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah, I mean, you just you feel terrible for for the kids and and um, you know the coaching staff, uh, you know across the board, and all the other employees at the institution, but. 
you know, those kids, it's such a tough situation uh, for them. And, you know, you, you hope and, 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 you know, you'd like to think that they're going to land on their feet and, and some of them will end up in better situations and some of them will end up, you know, without uh, a situation that you would wish for them. And it's just a tough, tough deal. And, um, you know, across the landscape, I think uh, NAI football in general, uh, is as strong as it's been uh, collectively. And I'm not just talking about the quality of our football programs, but uh, the numbers of our programs and the way it's developing. I, I think it's getting stronger. But then you have that flip side of whether it's NAI institutions, Division two, Division three. if you're in your private uh, enrollment-driven institutions, uh, sometimes that margin isn't, isn't huge. And, and we, uh, you know, we want what's best for, for those folks affected by the situation of presentation. It's not what you want to hear. Uh, but, uh, hopefully the, the Lord will use it to allow them to better themselves and, and move forward and land in great spots. I think the, the one that, that, um, the one guy I feel worse for, believe it or not, there's a kid on presentations roster who transferred in from Cincinnati Christian. Oh, wow. That's the guy I feel bad for. It's like, Oh (laughs) no, not again. Wow. I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to track them down and give them a word of encouragement. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Oh man. Um, but getting getting on to your team, you've got a lot coming back, especially on offense here, where you've got Darius Neal, Dylan Warren, Aaron Maggard, and a couple of offensive linemen, Boots Ellen and Blake Gossett coming back. And you've got your freshman quarterback from last year coming back, Garrett Garrick Slunaker. How I tripped over Garrick, I don't know, being a baseball fan. I was just too worried about the last name, I guess. But talk about uh Talk about getting uh, your offense at a even higher level in 2023. Yeah, I, I think our guys did a really good job of adapting to the new system and and just the changes that we had in place. And and yeah, we've been a traditional uh, sort of old school run and shoot, and we did run the football a lot. We we the previous staff threw it a little bit too. You kind of made it sound like uh, it was triple option. It wasn't quite that. <laughs> Um, you know, they like to throw it around a little bit too, but, um, I think our guys did a great job at adapting to really some night and day type of changes as far as not just the schemes, but the way we communicated and moving to a new, no huddle. And I think we're all looking forward to being a year older on, on both sides of the ball, but, you know, certainly on offense, uh, we were somewhat young. We had a few older guys at certain positions, but we were somewhat young and, and had a lot of new guys playing for the first time with significant reps. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that second spring, second fall. Uh, and I think we're going to take a big, big step forward with the way that we produce as an offense. Defensively, uh, you, you know, you're still a little bit up in the air with what you're, what you're going to have. Not sure on a couple pieces, uh, you know, should I stay, should I go? Um, but man, historically, Georgetown's been a really, really good defense, and last year was was no deviation from that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, the the most number of points you gave up was was twenty four twice to uh, to Bethel and Cumberland. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that if the the worst defensive performance they had was twenty four points, they'd be delighted. Talk about yeah. talk about that. 
Well, I think our defense uh, had a great season and, and, you know, just calling a spade a spade. We were, we were a little bit more effective and inconsistent maybe would be a better word on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. And uh, I'm hopeful that we can continue to build upon that. I mean, obviously, you know, you got a three-time All-American DJ White who's who's you know graduating and and moving on, and it's tough to replace a guy like that. But we've got a lot of good football players in, in our program, and uh, I think you know they again we had scheme changes on defense as well. We talked about offense, but there was a scheme change on defense. Uh, some guys playing new positions or or new variations of positions that they were asked to do. So. I thought they did a great job. I thought our defensive staff, Coach Perrin, and, and our assistant coaches just did an awesome job of getting guys prepared. And certainly our defense kept us in a lot of ball games when our offense was inconsistent at times. And and um, even in those two games that you know you mentioned, uh, you know we had a, a special teams score that we gave up and and a uh, offensive score that we gave up. So. Our defense, I thought, did a great job, and, and we're going to need to rely on them if we want to get back to being a, a true championship-caliber program. And as you know, that's the goal. Um, you know, and, and I'm excited about what our defense did and, and looking forward to seeing them continue to, to take those next steps. So just to, just to let everyone know, we, uh, we know we, we got a little bit of, of a deflection on the uh, magic wand in the playoffs answer from Brad Griffin a few weeks back uh, due to due to Brad being on the uh, on the committee there and and this is this one's no different I actually know this time and so I won't be asking the the magic wand and, and changing the playoffs to how you uh, how you'd like it um, but I mean you know we, we, we both know that it's it's a hard decision you've been in that room and and choosing those yeah. teams and Man, I would have loved to have been a fly in the room to to hear the uh, some of the arguments because because I know this year between Bethel of Kansas and St. Thomas, I'm sure there was uh, there were some passionate arguments made. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that's the job of the the NSC, and you know if you're one of those two teams, the first couple teams out, and you know I, I'm at a program at Georgetown where I think. Everybody, when you look at the ratings, you probably know, okay, St. Thomas was one of the, you know, the first team out or maybe the second team out. Well, the year prior to that, it was Georgetown, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and having been in the room for part of that uh, with the NSC, the positive that I want people to to take away from it, because when when you're the first team out, it's always going to feel like, dang, we're better than that team. And that may or may not be the case, but when you're the first team out, you're always going to feel like that. And I understand that. Um, But in our old system, uh, prior to the NSC, not that the the selection committee is perfect, but in our old system, there would have been no discussion. There would have been no opportunity to talk about Bethel, Kansas's resume or to talk about St. Thomas's resume and just to, you know, talk about, hey, St. Thomas went on the road and played St. Xavier early in the season. And, uh, you know, someone could say, well, why didn't they put him in if that's the case? And that's, you know, neither here nor there for this part of the argument. Uh, St. Thomas is a very good football team, obviously. Uh, But in the previous uh, model, 
prior to the NSC, those teams wouldn't have even had a discussion. It would have been straight off of the rating. So uh, no system is perfect. Uh, I do believe our system in the NAI for qualifying into the postseason and moving teams through is as good as there is in college football. Um, Obviously what FBS does with four teams in the playoff is very different. But when you look at FCS, you know, D2, D3, I think our system is as effective uh, as any. Um, But we're always trying to make it better. I do like the fact that you're not regionalizing your your matchups, you know, by by rule. You know, we can get, you know, some of these some of these great just far-flung matchups like a couple of years ago when Arizona Christian went and played Kaiser. Um yeah. you know, it's it's things like that that make make it fun to to have those matchups where you know it's not going to be necessarily regional. I think a great example is that you know, this could have been the year where, you know, Northwestern and Morningside, uh, you know, could have matched up. And, and obviously it, the, the chips have to fall a certain way. But in the Division Two or Division Three model, that could never be a possibility because of regions. Uh, so, again, the, the system, you're, you're always going to be uh, looking for better ways. And when you're on the outside looking in, it, it, it's frustrating. But. By and large, uh, I really have become a believer in uh, what we're trying to do with our postseason format uh, over the years. I didn't always used to feel like that, but when you're on this side and you you, uh, take part in ratings and oversight and selection committee, um, you know, I think you appreciate how much work goes into it uh, in order to try and make that field the best possible. And it also really, it's, it's nice from a media standpoint. Because you have somebody that you can then talk to as the face of that committee and ask why you did what you did. And yeah. being able to do that gives a lot of um, transparency to the process. You might not be able to ask the most you know, specific and pointy questions, but you can, you can kind of get uh, an, an idea of why a decision was made here, a decision was made there. Yeah, I think it um, provides uh, not full transparency, but at least it provides accountability uh, to what is going on. Uh, and, and, you know, I, again, we're trying to continue to, to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. The, the rumblings that we've been hearing, I'm, I'm very excited about where we're going. And I think it will provide for, for good football. I mean, if, if, if Kaiser is the first fruits of, of what we could see with, with folks going outside of the NAI and, and making it in, um, man, that could make some, some good stuff. But, you know, if, uh, if you're not improving, you're, you're, you're falling behind. We talked about it every, every week this offseason. I mean, it's, it's just a part of life. So what area of, of your program, whether it be on the field or – growing the the program itself off the field are you really looking to improve in 2023 uh i would say probably two specific ways that that, you know one on the field and one off the field you know the off the field i'm going to give you that that culture cliche word that everybody uses and 
uh, you know, in, in football and in sports. And, and for us in our program, we want to define that with our guys and we want to understand what that means. But I do feel like for me as a head coach, uh, going back to what you asked me 20 minutes ago about, hey, what was the biggest change? Um, I, as I reflect on the past 13 months, uh, I think that was one thing through the transition for me where I could have done a better job of continuing to help our guys strengthen our culture. Uh, you know, we inherited a program that has been a winning program, but there were still a lot of changes that we made. Uh, and I, I look forward to helping our guys understand those things with more accountability, more consistency for us as coaches uh, and, and trying to get everybody on the same page moving forward. So I, I think that that's one area where we need to grow from an accountability standpoint and a maturity standpoint. And that starts with the head coach and that starts with uh, our assistant coaches, you know, and helping our guys with that culture development. And then on the field, it, it really comes down to depth and development of our roster um, and, and really taking our full roster uh, and, and moving us forward from the way that our guys develop. And, and again, going into uh, for some of our guys, the third time they get to install the offense and defense counting last you know, spring, fall, spring. And for our freshmen, the, the second time, uh, we're really looking forward to, to moving that forward in, in a big way with our guys and that consistency aspect and helping not just, you know, the top 22 on the roster develop, but being able to really invest and spend time from, from numbers one to 100 and move forward uh, and not just via recruiting and those aspects, but really diving into the guys in our program and helping them continue to, to grow. Uh, so those are the things that are on my mind uh, in a big way uh, as the head coach. And, and I feel like we got a big challenge in front of us. And one of the awesome parts of the past year is our kids, our young men in our program, their attitudes have been awesome. Uh, you know, and they didn't ask for a new head coach. Um, they, you know, they, they came in and for most of them, they signed under a, a legend and coach Cronin, uh, you know, and, and they didn't ask for that change to happen. And man, they have embraced it. Their attitudes have been great. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to continuing to, to move us as a program back more towards, you know, where we think we can be. That's, uh, that's the name of the game right there. And so, you know, we very much are looking forward to, another season of, of Mid-South football. Um, you know, it's it's one of the, the best brands of, of football within the NAI, and everyone is going to give me all sorts of, of heck on, on that and, and call, me a, call me a little bit of a homer. But, you know, uh, it, 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 is, it is what it is. You've got three really three and four standout programs that, mm-hmm. that, that are fantastic from top to bottom. Um, and, and so it's always fun to see what's, what's going on. So we are very excited to see what, what Georgetown and the rest of the Mid-South has to offer. Yeah, well, we're, we're excited to, to get going. I'm sure it'll be as competitive as ever. And, and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. And I appreciate, you know, your guys' support. You guys have helped, uh, move our product forward and, and, the visibility of it and the interest level in NAI football 
And when I said, you know, we're talking about presentation, I said, you know, I think the NAI landscape from a football standpoint is as strong as it's been in a long time. Um, and I think our national office is, is providing stability and helping that. But we would be remiss if we didn't say that your presence from a football standpoint has helped us. And that type of exposure uh, is great. And I think people are getting more eyes on our product and realizing, wow, football at this level is, is strong. And uh, that's, that's exciting for us. So we appreciate you know, all the work that, that you guys put into it. We appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast presented by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Leading Edge Fundraising for their support of the podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast as well as to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash N-A-I-A-F-B-A-L-L and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.